Greetings, and welcome to Top Tier Volunteer, a Tennessee Vols podcast. This is your host, Andre, and this is episode three. As always, I'm going to dedicate this show to my mother, Loretta Lowe, and my favorite artist, Young Dolph. So today, I'm really excited about the show. Um, I put in a lot of research, and uh, I took a little bit longer than I usually do, but I'm pretty excited about what I've got planned for today. So today, we're going to be looking at uh, three must-win games for Tennessee in 2022. Of course, we're going to have the current vol and the OG vol section. And then to end it up, I said I was going to be looking at the transfers that were coming in for the uh, 2022 season. And to close it out, I'm going to go over a little bit about Rocky Top Palooza, which was a major recruiting event that uh, Tennessee threw this weekend. Well, this past weekend that really got a lot of recruits excited and it was just looked like an all around good time. So I'm going to go over that a little bit. So 2022 is going to be. A bit of an enigma as far as, you know, just as what Tennessee is usually used to playing. Um, we're going to be playing a lot of first-year coaches. We're going to be playing a, not a lot of new starting quarterbacks. And just looking at the schedule, it's not as daunting as it usually is. The out-of-conference game is uh, not a big one. It's pit, but, you know, they're not a juggernaut. And um, we have a lot of home games. So I'm just going to be looking at the three must-win games that for Tennessee to that we must win for us to get to that nine and three, ten and two, hopefully plateau that you know the Vols were in reach. So the three must-win games that I think for the uh, season upcoming is the Florida Gators, the Pittsburgh Panthers, and to end it, the LSU Tigers. We're gonna take a look at the history of each school and you know just our series rivalry rivalry with them and you know some impact players for each team and stuff like that. So starting with Florida. Um, they beat us last year, thirty-eight to fourteen at home, and uh, the upcoming coming game for this year is going to be on nine on September twenty-fourth, twenty twenty-two. So just looking at the history with them, we played them fifty-one times. The they've beaten us thirty-one to twenty, and just the history of our rivalry. They've the last couple of years. There's been many a time where they weren't the better team, but just. The mindset and us clamming up and us having terrible coaches and stuff like that just made us lose the game and kept the rivalry so one-sided. And it's like every time we get a new coach or, you know, the team starts playing well and believing itself, we always have to reach that hurdle of the Gators. Even when we were at our peak, you know, in the 90s and stuff like that, you know, the Gators were always a big obstacle for us to overcome, and they would usually beat us. But when we beat them, it was always a special season. So um, just looking at <laughs> the, the, uh, the history of the rivalry a little bit, uh, the biggest win for us was 45-3 and 90. And, of course, I wasn't alive for that game, but I do remember hearing about it, and just, it was just a great shellacking. Um, our longest streak against them is um, 10 games, and that was mainly in the – from the beginning to about the 50s, and then Florida took over from, they won 11 straight from 05 to 2015, which is well terrible. And I watched most of those games, and a lot of them were heartbreakers. And especially in the 2000s to 2010s, like they were the better team a couple times, and we were more evenly matched. But then when it got to the 2010s through now, they really haven't been that much better, like, like I said, it'd just be a comedy of errors, Hail Marys against Franks, who's the ter- worst quarter. Well, one of the worst quarterbacks they had during that time. We actually beat um, 
what's his name, Applesby, Gatesby, or whatever his name was. We could we ain't let that dude beat us to transfer from Purdue. So obviously we have a lot of history with these bums, and we definitely need to beat them this year. Um, looking at them, they have a new uh, starting quarterback. They're gonna have a new starting quarterback and a new head coach. Billy Napier from uh, Louisiana Monroe, and um, the quarterback is going to be Anthony Richardson, who's probably one of the best, probably the best athlete at quarterback in the SEC. So that's going to be a tough test for Tennessee to try to, you know, contain him in the passing and the running game. But hopefully we can come up with a either a game plan to slow him down a little bit or we're just going to outscore him. And um, looking at the impact, the impact players for them, I'm going to say Richardson is obviously the number one impact player for them on offense. And on defense, they these guys have gotten a lot of transfers over the this <laughs> this past cycle, and they got a couple from Georgia. So I'm looking at Brenton Cox Jr. that came from uh, the Bulldogs, and I think he's going to be an edge rusher. And they already had an edge rusher still there. I forget his name, but you know they keep a you know it's just a stable of good athletes. And their team overall, I think the secondary is probably going to be their biggest. You know their top. Uh, unit and that's going to be I don't we're probably we can definitely shred them up like you don't really have if doesn't really matter how good your secondary is most of the guys and when you're playing against our you know motion offense and you know just our vertical passing game there's going to be a lot of yards out there so hopefully we're going to be able to you know abuse them and just put people in space and run up the score against the Gators especially in Knoxville, because I don't know, I'll probably, I want to be there. I'll probably be there. I plan on being there. So we definitely have to get this win. And uh, looking at game number two down the um, three must-wins games for Tennessee in 2022, it's definitely going to be the Pittsburgh Panthers. And just looking at a little bit about their program against us, uh, they beat us last year 41-34. to and I was surprised to see that we were 0-3. We're now 0-3 against them. I don't really remember nobody saying that we had lost the previous two against them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they beat us the first two times uh, in the early 80s. And they were coached by Jackie Sherrill back then, who, as we know, was a um, Mississippi State head coach for a long time. And he's a pretty good coach. So, but I, so I was surprised to learn he was there during that time. And Johnny, Johnny Majors was the coach here. So I know he was pretty upset to lose the pit because we all know that he coached there before. And just looking at their team, um, they were the ACC champs last year. We didn't, didn't nobody expect them to be that good, but they were. And, you know, they lost a couple key players, especially the, at the quarterback position. But just looking at the returning team and their coach, um, their coach is Pat Narduzzi, who used to be uh, Michigan State's defensive coordinator. And... Now he's at Pitt, and it took him a while for him to get, you know, things acclimated in the Pittsburgh way, which is, you know, has pretty much always been tough defense and, you know, steady running game and stuff like that. And I think he's finally got that thing rolling now. You know, he's got his players in, and they're just a really solid team. You know, they redshirt a lot of their players and stuff like that. And for the 22 season, their, like, entire O-line is coming back. Like, that's going to be a very big piece of the puzzle for them. They're going to try to run the ball a lot, you know, throw do a lot of play action passing and things like that. You know, because they have a new quarterback um, who, who's going to be one of our impact players. That I'm going to talk about a little later, but you can just expect and know what type of team they are. They're going to be hard nosed, things like that. Big returning D line. Um, their linebackers and secondary is definitely going to be pretty solid, and we could just expect a good game from them. Looking at their impact players. 
Um, they lost a little bit of a swap a transfer battle with USC because they lost the um, pretty much the number one wide receiver in the country to them. And they got back Keaton Slovis, um, the Pac-12 freshman of the year uh, when he was a freshman at USC at quarterback. But um, obviously, uh, Jordan Addison, who was the wide receiver, was a way better player. So he's uh, definitely going to be a point of contention for them. If he plays well, they're probably winning, you know, seven, eight games. And they also do have a returning running back. Uh, he has, he's a pretty solid guy. So they should be, you know, try to lean on him. He, I expect probably him to probably be a thousand yard rusher if everything works out. And on defense, um, I wrote this guy's name down just so I could try to say it. Servicio Dennis. Um, he's their middle linebacker and, you know, he led their team last year in tackles. So um, I definitely expect him to, you know, just be an impact player and be all over the field. And they also have a returning edge rusher, Bald Bonado, who probably who led the team in sacks last year. So he's definitely probably, you know, trying to up his game this year. And Tennessee would definitely be a big time game for him to try to, you know, show off his skills. So we definitely got to have to contain them. Uh, we're going to be at their place, too, back in uh, Pittsburgh. So hopefully we can definitely go up to Heinz Field and get that victory. Coming down to our final school, um, LSU, we don't nearly play these guys enough. Uh, we've played them 33 times with us having a lead advantage 20 to 10 with three ties. And they've definitely beaten us the last couple times. Um, their last win was 30 to 10 in 20, uh, 2017. And famously, our last versus them was uh, in 2005, a 21-point comeback uh, at Baton Rouge. Uh, Rick Clawson and D Gerald Ridge Jr. with the uh, highlights of that game. They wanted to a new school, one of the schools with a new head coach, and they're also going to be uh, bringing in a new quarterback. So I know the prestige of LSU and just the overall, you know, thought process of LSU. People expect them to beat us, but um, we should definitely we have the advantage as far as just the continuity and you know the players being more together as far as you know because they have a lot of new transfers as well. Um, I think they lead the country with maybe 15 new transfers. So this team is definitely going to be bringing a lot of new pieces together. And um, we go to Baton Rouge. So this is going to be a great game. And hopefully we can you know, bring it, you know, just beat them. Because if you notice, the three games that I've chosen are all that, you know, right one after another. Well, you know, sort of all in the same framework. So if we win these games... It'll definitely propel us, to, you know, to the season that we want. And just looking at the returning players and the impact players, um, they have a wide receiver, Kayshawn Boutte. This guy is electric. I mean, he's just, you know, highlighting the bottle. Um, Odell Beckhamish, you know, just as far as his run after catch, his ability to moss people, and, you know, he's just a great playmaking wide receiver. And on defense, um, DJ Ojolari, who was committed to us previously, but Coach Pruitt and them couldn't close the deal. Um, so it was smart on Ojalari's part. Um, he leads LSU in sacks, and he probably will this year. So that would definitely probably make him, you know, a first-round draft pick or second, you know, just depending on his measurables and things like that. And their quarterback battle is definitely going to be key in this game. Um, they have two returning, Max Johnson and somebody else, I think Nussmeyer. And they brought in a couple guys, most notably Jaden Daniels from Arizona State. Um, people don't think he's going to be doing too well just because his stats at Arizona State, but 
every time I watched him, he was making a highlight play or throwing for 40 yards and making scrambles and stuff. So I think with better pieces around him, Jaden will definitely be able to show how good he is. Hopefully just not against Tennessee. And um, Brian Kelly is their coach now who came from Notre Dame. And I fully expect him just to bring, you know, just a sense of stability to LSU. Um, They've been a little wild since the national championship. And, you know, Brian Kelly is just as, you know, steady as they come in the coaching profession. Uh, He was at Notre Dame for many years and we knew what to expect from them and that they would, their team was going to be solid and, you know, just have a great O-line and things like that. So we can definitely suspect you know, suspect that from LSU over the next couple of years, something, something like that. Our next section is going to be the um, current and OG volunteers. This is pretty much a section where I just look at a player that's currently on the team now and a throwback uh, player. I'm just going to go over them a little bit. Uh, so looking at the current volunteer, we're going to look at Kamal Haddon. He's a cornerback from uh, Ypsilanti, Michigan. And he originally committed to Auburn. And he transferred over to Tennessee, I believe, two years ago. So he's going to be a junior, redshirt junior. Looking at his stats, he hasn't really played that much. But when he gets in, he does uh, seem to be around the ball a little bit. Maybe because, you know, the quarterbacks, you know, he's a new corner. So they, you know, tried to throw the ball his way. And he's just a long, smooth athlete. Um, 6'2", 185. He has number 13. And um, just look, I like his I like his build. I can see why, you know, he was uh Auburn recruited him in the first place. And he's uh working with the D B coach, uh Willie Martinez. I expect him to make quite a jump. Uh he should be starting. He should have one of the starting positions. Probably be a boundary corner. Um and if everything comes together and, you know, he gets his head on right, he should be able to, you know, just have a pretty steady season. Like, um he's fast enough. You know, just keep his eyes out the backfield and, you know, focus on his cues. And I think he could be a pretty solid DB for us. <clears throat> and then uh, going on to our OG Vol, we're going to be looking at Johnny Majors. And he's he was the first uh, great Tennessee tailback. He famously finished uh, second in the Heisman voting to Paul Hornick. And that was a great, you know, point of debate because Paul Hornick is the only Heisman winner to play on a losing team. But he basically punted, kicked, and did all that stuff. So back in those days where football was very biased towards the northern part of the country, particularly Notre Dame. So that's, you know, uh, even though Johnny had the way better stats and his team was, you know, I think they only had one loss or one tie or something like that. You know, he still lost the Heisman to somebody like that. But um, he was an All-American in 1956, and he was the SEC MVP in 55 and 56. So that just lets you know, you know, what type of great back he was. He was a smaller back, uh, maybe like 5'9", 180 or something like that. He was a smaller back, but he was really fast, really elusive. And back in those days, you know, those were, uh, if you were an athlete, you were a man amongst boys because, you know, a lot of the athletes back there were very heavy-footed and stuff like that. And the great thing about Johnny was, as good as a player he was, he was a really good coach as well. Um from 68 to 96, he was a head coach, and he had, a, I think, 185 total career victories. And um, he started out at Iowa State, <clears throat> and back then, Iowa State was a really, really trash program, and, and Johnny got them to their first bowl games in school history. Um, and then after those two, he went to Pitt, got, 
a national championship and coached such uh, All-Americans as uh, Tony Dorsett and Hugh Green, who were like some of the best players of all time. Then he came back to Tennessee, uh, led us to three SEC championships. And he was doing pretty good up until about 1992 when uh, he got sick. And Philip Fomer came in and replaced him for a couple games and pretty much Phil pretty much took over the team and Johnny was sort of pushed out. And there was a lot of debate and, you know, just it sort of split the fan base a little bit. But um, he left and went back to Pittsburgh and he didn't do too well there. So he retired in about 1996. So his end of his career probably hurt his definitely hurt his chances of getting the Hall of Fame as a coach. But he's definitely shown that he's a great architect and he can build a program. And just Johnny was a great player, too. So this guy was just a great football mind around all I mean just a great football mind all around and to wrap up our current vault was Kamal Haddon and our OG vault was the great Johnny Majors who did pass away in the 2020 in Knoxville so all right to him and uh close to Ben to wrapping up the podcast here we're going to be looking at the transfer the transfer players that are coming in for the 2020 season uh, there are seven of them and I'm assuming they'll get here Whenever their uh, class session starts, maybe in, you know, uh, you know, summer school has two to three sessions. I don't really know how many they have now. They might have four. So they should be showing up with one of those or they just might show up at the beginning of the season. So starting with the first uh, recruit, we're going to have Brew McCoy, who's a 6'3", 220-pound receiver from USC. And um, he was a five-star coming out of high school, but... You know, things just didn't go too well for him. He was, you know, highly acclaimed. And when he came in, he got a couple catches. You know, I think he had like maybe 300 yards. And then he tried to transfer to Texas and it didn't work. He barely, he didn't even make it to the summer session there. And he transferred back to USC. And after that, he had some, you know, legal problems. So he didn't get to play for a whole year in addition to the COVID thing. So he's coming into Tennessee, not having played for maybe two years. But he's a great athlete, and I don't think Tennessee would bring him in if they didn't didn't think he could contribute. So we're looking at him to probably start on the other side of Cedric Tillman and just, you know, be a big force for us. Um, He has like a Jawan Jennings-type body, probably a little bit more athletic. But think of that. We'll see if he has quite the same dog as Jawan. But um, Brew McCoy. And next we have Andre Turrentine, who was a – four-star coming out of uh, high school out of Nashville and he originally recruited uh, came to Ohio State and Ohio State just has a log jam of uh, DBs at this point so I'm pretty sure you know it was easy for him to see Tennessee had openings and want to transfer here and uh, he's six foot 175 he's highly versatile he might be playing a star or the safety position so just depending on how fast he learns the system and if he wants to get on the field then we'll see, you know, what position he lands at. Because, yeah, as you know, um, our secondary has been a little lackadaisical and just haven't lived up its, to its potential. So maybe bringing in some new blood like Andre Turrentine and uh, Wesley Walker, who's another uh, Tennessee native who's transferring back home. He came from Virginia, uh, Georgia Tech, matter of fact. And uh, he's uh, highly versatile, too. Uh, both of them can play the star and the corner uh, safety position. They might be able to play corner. We'll see. But um, he's six foot, 187 pounds, and he definitely started uh, a lot and played a lot of games 
Um, he was just always around the ball. Like, he wasn't maybe, you know, like a, you know, interceptor or, you know, just somebody who was attacking the ball. But he's very solid. He wraps up tackles. And we definitely need somebody in the secondary like that. You just If they do catch the ball, tackle them right there. So hopefully he'll be a positive in that direction. And with those two guys, there's a lot of playing time. So we'll definitely see where they fit in this year. On to the next, we have uh, Jackson Hanna, who is a transfer from out of, he's also a, a Tennessee native, a transfer from Nebraska. And I don't think he got too much playing time there, special, special teams maybe. So he's coming back home, and uh, I think he's just going to be maybe a little filler. Uh, he might get some playing time, but definitely on special teams. And honestly, if we see him on the field in a big capacity, then the starters aren't doing their job or they're hurt or something. Next, we have a massive tight end uh, coming from UCF by the name of Charlie Browder. And he's 6'7", 235. And if he comes in and, you know, just he'll probably, you know, sit behind Princeton Fat and Jacob Warren for next year or so. But if he gets, you know, athletic enough and, and just learns the system, this guy could be huge for us. Um, like I say, he's 6'7", 235. And once again, it's in the you know, weight room and stuff like that. He'll be a great, great addition if, honestly, if, he, if he's just athletic enough and able to make the plays. Um, then we have uh, Navy Schuler, who's, of course, Heath Schuler's son. And uh, he's transferring from Appalachian State, six foot, 200 pounds. And he's just coming in as, a, I'm sure, an insurance policy. Um, we shouldn't really see him too much. Um, I, I Watching him in practice and stuff, He's athletic, not, you know, just not as as athletic as his father, of course. But, you know, he's just a solid all-around quarterback. And he should, you know, give the defense a good look on the scout team uh, offense. And finally, we have Gerald Mincy uh, from out of Florida. I think he's from Florida. And he's transferring from the Gators. He's 6'5", 320 pounds. And he's definitely coming in to try to get the left tackle position, I'm thinking. And at the least, he's going to be able to come in and provide some depth, depth just in case, you know, the starter gets hurt and things like that as he grows in the program. As we know, the uh, transfer portal is always open. So we can, I don't know if we're going to sign anybody else, but as we know, we have a lot of holes. And I'm sure if anybody comes available, Tennessee will probably take a look at them. Uh, just another note, we did receive a commitment from a Savion Herring, who is a, a offensive lineman from out of uh, New York, 6'4", 325 pounds. And he's going to come in. I, I think he's an interior offensive lineman, which means like a guard. So he's definitely going to come in and pr just provide some more depth. And I'm sure that, you know, once again, the staff wouldn't bring him in if they didn't think he'd be able to provide something and add to the team. It's a wrap of the podcast. We're going to be looking at uh, Rocky Top Palooza, which was a major, major recruiting event that happened on Memorial Weekend. And um, it was just a great event to have recruits out for, mainly the 2023 recruits. And it was just a star-studded event. They had a lot of uh, top, top players. And Tennessee um, is using our uh, five-star quarterback, Nico Iamaliava, and our top player on defense, Caleb Herring, to, you know, just talk to these recruits and try to convince them, you know, to come to Tennessee. It's a lot of player recruiting going on and just the vibe around 
validation and Tennessee right now is is almost at max capacity. So they're very they're basically trying to, you know, live off that and just show these new players what Tennessee has to offer. And a couple of the players that have been looking at us are um Francis Maui Goa, Shadavian Bradley, Victor Bailey, and Rico Walker. And the last three those those last three players are mainly defensive players. And we everybody knows we need help on defense. And we was definitely hoping, and we knew that Tennessee was going to start focusing more on defense. And it seems that, you know, just looking at the way Tennessee's been recruiting the last two years, that they get all the offensive players out the way first, and then they try to come back and double down on the defense. I guess just to show them that we're going to be able to score the points, and now we need the players to be able to stop the other team from scoring. Tennessee has a lot to sell right now. We have a great coach, uh, Josh Heupel, who's just like a player's coach. Um, always the stadium and the, the the atmosphere and the campus has always been great at Tennessee. The fan base is, of course, unmatched. And we have Spire, which is the, the, the greatest collective in the country. And everybody knows we're paying, so it can't hurt that all these things are going together right now. We also have the number one baseball team in the country. Hits a lot of home runs. And that's just showing how much a vibe Tennessee is and how much other players want to play with other things. And another thing I've noticed with the recruiting going on right now is that a lot of moms have been taking their first visit to Tennessee. Like, the player will go, then they'll come back and bring their mom. And as we all know, mom knows best. So... I always look to see if a player brought their mom to the campus and that'll let me know exactly how much we are in depth with them. And I know for a fact that uh, Francis Mauigola, who is a five-star offensive lineman, and Shadavian Bradley both bought their moms on for the first time. And that just is nothing but a plus. So this is just Rocky Top Palooza. It was just another great showcase for us to show off, you know, just the Vol Nation and the volunteer way. So um, hopefully this all pays off and we uh, we should be getting a lot more recruits uh, probably over, not in June, but people are talking about July. So we'll see how this goes. But um, Rocky Top Palooza was definitely a great event. It was all over Twitter. And um, another recruit that's been helping out a lot is uh, Jack Luttrell. He's a, a three-star safety, but this guy plays way better than his ranking. Um, no offense, but he's a white guy. But his his swag is such that, you know, it just overtakes that. And it appeals to, you know, everybody. So he's just been a great ambassador for the, you know, just for the university. He's a really terrific athlete just with he has a, a real good highlight tape. So he's just, like I said, a perfect ambassador to go with Nico and Caleb who are just trying to show what Tennessee has to offer. And, you know, great players want to play with other great players. So, once again, hopefully this all plays off. I'm really happy that uh, Josh Hyper did this. And we'll see where it leads us. So, to wrap up the show, this has been Top Tier Volunteer. This is your host, Andre. And uh, see you next time. Thanks for listening.